Talks. As often as I can, I speak with experts who can explore important issues in education. Today, my guest is Dr. Angela Bird-Wright. She's the Senior Director of Teaching and Learning for Essex County Public Schools in Essex, Virginia. Dr. Bird-Wright, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you today. I'm excited to be with you because this topic is really important. Let's jump in. We want to talk about how to approach professional development and teacher learning in meaningful ways. What's your key? Well, one of the keys that we use here in Essex County, and I'm excited to help to lead that work, is around really using teacher voice and activating that voice through asset mapping. Um, it's really important for our teachers to know when they come to professional development, number one is something that they want to come to and have a high interest in that really will yield those high leverage skills so that we can use that to inspire their work. And so we use an asset mapping process here in our county to help foster that. What is asset mapping? So asset mapping is the time, the time and conversation and giving space to really looking at what are the needs of our school division based on student performance data, teacher feedback, responses that we see at the division level as we're going through instructional review and corrective action plans for our teachers and um, for our principals as well. So we look at that information to give us kind of a bird's eye view here at the division level. We take that information and we have a template that we use to really begin to asset and drill down what are our current programs, platforms and or service providers, consultants, if you will, that are providing services to our school division. Second, we look at, is it aligned to our school learning or improvement plan? Because it's important that, are we going in the right direction when it comes to professional learning and training for our teachers? Because it, again, if you don't have interest, and then secondly, if it's not aligned to even your goals, your mission, your values, what do you hold true to really push forward and advance the work of teaching and learning? Then again, why are we doing it? And then we also look at, is it aligned to the written, taught, and tested curriculum? Again, alignment is, is you know, you're akin to, to driving. If you have a tire that's going to the right and you're trying to go left, you will end up in a ditch. So we don't <laughs> want to do that. So with that being said, it's very important as you begin to drill down to professional learning and development for teachers, is it of interest? Is it something that's gonna have a high yield or return of results? And is it something that's going to be aligned to the written, taught, and tested curriculum? We then have some conversations with our principals. We have conversations with their school learning team so they can, again, have voice in it. And then they can be the ambassadors to take that word out to teachers. Teachers love hearing from other teachers. They don't always like to hear from the principal. They don't always like to hear from central office. So it's always important to make sure that teachers can hear other teachers and talking in a way that it's relatable and practical so that we have the best teaching and learning opportunities for our teachers that will then impact the students work um, in the in the long term. Dr. Bird Wright, you've been a classroom teacher yourself. You have also been an assistant principal, a principal, a coach. Uh, when, when you speak, people should listen. You've got experience uh, in all kinds of contexts. How does all of this research and collection of information, all these conversations, how does that translate into the recommendations that you make for the people who are directly working with students? Well, first, um, Dr. Romano, thank you for um, acknowledging that, that kind of 
trajectory, if you will, from background. I think part of it plays into that conversation, honestly, because I understand what it was like to be a classroom teacher and planning for instruction. And, and that's one plate that's spinning. So just imagine you've got that plate spinning, then becoming a coach. Okay, now I'm working with teachers, but then I'm giving that instructional coach. So I've got to have that bird's eye view of observation. So what are those look for instructional look for to move things forward. Then at the building level, being an assistant principal or principal saying, you know, not it's not management anymore. There was a time where it was building-wide management, kind of making sure the trains were checking in, checking out, buses were going here and going to the right route. But now it's really about instructional leadership and, and making that transition between management to instructional leadership to understand the vision about where we headed instructionally, what's important when we look at the content and do we have quality teaching and learning in place? And then from there, working at the division level as a math director for another school division and then working in this role, it provides great insight as to, you know, what is it that our teachers need to be successful? So then having those conversations, I can speak from a place of acknowledging that I've been there, I've sat through, I've been at that seat. And so I understand what's important at that seat. But then as you're, as that table widens, if you will, if you have that seat at that particular table, you know what, I, I remember what it was like to eat the macaroni and cheese. Now I'm going to add a little bit of mashed potatoes and a little bit of gravy to this and a little bit of chicken on the side. I've got to add to this, to have a broader view now of what it looks like to design professional learning. And so you asked me about, well, how do we, that, how does that translate? It translates into having, again, teacher voice our asset mapping process allows them to be surveyed. They provide us with feedback. We also do entry and exit tickets. So what got you to the professional learning? And then secondly, what's going to have you to come back? So the exit ticket really has them to do not only what did you enjoy about professional learning, what was important about it, but then what are you going to do next? We always follow up too with our principals about what are the next steps. So we want to see that when we come into the class. So we should see the translation through the manifestation of teaching and learning in the classroom. So let me give you an example. We just recently had some professional learning around the second question. You know, you ask a question to students about a particular topic, but what's the follow-up? And the follow-up has to inspire deeper learning and meaning that will also enhance the conversation or student discourse. One of our focus areas in our school division this year has really been honing in on student discourse. So what we're looking for then, we had to design professional learning around that goal because if you whoever's doing the most talking is doing the most learning. So if the teacher's doing most of the talking, then guess who's not learning? So having that real conversation first. Secondly, then saying, all right, we've got to build some tools and some structures around that. So from that second question, we ask teachers then for the next step, we want to see you, you don't have to ask 82 questions, but let me get you to, to ask at least your three top second questions that have that will inspire deeper learning. But the next step not only impacted the teachers, but also the principals because we engage in instructional walks and reviews every two weeks. So we do that. And what I love about you know, working in a smaller school division is that our superintendent joins us, our chief academic officer, our chief operations officer who monitors special education, our supervisor of, of special education and our building principals and leaders um, and instructional supervisors, our technology integration supervisor also joins on these walks. We break out and we don't all you know, bombard one classroom. So let that be clear. But we break out into small groups 
And then we hone in on those particular look-fors for that particular week based upon the professional learning that's already taken place a week or two prior. So that's how we can begin to see that translation at the teacher level, but for our principals to then use the information that we collect from our noticings, our wonderings, what are our next steps, and then use that as they get into their professional learning communities to say, all right, we were so glad we went into 15 classes because we're able to do five, right? Three groups and we do five. That's the math for the day. There's my math teacher right there. So you get, you get to do your 15 walks and then you come back and you compile the data in a very simple way so that the principal could come back to teachers during their POCs later in the week to say, all right, when we were in 15 classes, 12 out of those 15, we saw that you were in the instructional model. We saw that you were using those second questions. And then here's some things that we think that can better inspire our students to, to learn. And these are some things that we wanna give you some feedback on. So then they can take that. And the next time we come back for the instructional walk, we're able to see what we just shared with them and then those next steps embedded. So it's a building block methodology that, is, is translating into increased student performance outcomes, which is the ultimate manifestation of the work that we do. Tell me about the observations. Do you recommend a particular protocol? Does your organization use a checklist? Is it open notes? How formal or informal is it? Well, our principals and assistant principals, we've created a form for them for instructional look-fors for each content area, and they do differ, but those look-fors are embedded within the instructional model. The instructional model has, for each of those content areas and for our P and elective teachers, um, CTA and the like, about what does it look like when we talk about sound quality instruction. That instructional model incorporates coaching notes for our teachers. So as they are planning their lessons, with what I love about the transfer is that in the lesson plan, the coaching notes from the instructional model are embedded in the lesson plan. So for example, if I'm planning my spiral review in a mathematics class, I know that within that model, I'm looking for at least three to five questions that cover my previously learned skills or misconceptions that students had. That's in the instructional model, but it's also embedded in the lesson plan. So as a teacher, I'm not confused about what in the world is spiral review. And you know, in education, we've got a lot of, I call it educational leads, those LMNOPs that everyone uses, all these different acronyms. We got the jargon. <laughs> right. We've got our own jargon. And also you have to think about coming from the perspective of a first year teacher or what is it that you're looking for, which we do have quite a few first year teachers this year, which is always great. Um, to, to work with. After you've got the lesson plan, we then we engage in those instructional walks. So that's the form that our um, principals use, assistant principals use. And then we engage in division-wide instructional walks. So that's when our division staff, as I mentioned earlier, we meet with the principal, assistant principal, and then we break into small groups where we then go out and we look for those look fors and then provide them with that lens. Having been a principal and sitting in a building, you have your blind spots too, right? You, you, you know, well, I think this teacher really meant to do this because I'm with them every day, but did you see it or did you not see it? You got to, you, you have to be. And so people from sometimes the outside can help you to see that. Do you see it consistently? Well, I saw it on the third Wednesday of the blue harvest moon. And I know that she can do this. Well, no, that's, 
did you see it today at 1055 when we walked into the classroom? And then if you didn't, what are we going to do differently? So having those forthright conversations, and then we never leave that meeting. So we, we do our walks, we come back together, we debrief. And during that debrief, we talk about what do we notice? What do we wonder? And then what is it that we need for our next steps moving forward? Then from those next steps, we expect our principals and assistant principals to follow up with those teachers either individually, if it's something that really is just very granular or specific to that one teacher, didn't impact the entire group and to also follow up during their professional learning communities that take place on a different day of that week so that when we come back around, we can begin with those next steps. So those conversations start with the next steps. What did we identify our areas that we needed to work on in the building? How did you follow up? And then before we even leave our initial meeting, we then say, who's going to be assigned to what? So when I have a next step, it could be Dr. Bert Wright is going to provide professional learning on um, working with the second question, but also working with author's purpose um, and, and tone with our language arts teachers. So we're going to focus in on that, or it could be a pacing issue and so forth. So we're going to identify who's responsible for what within those next two weeks, work with those teachers or groups that we've been assigned, and then report out on our next steps at the beginning of that meeting. And then we go out and we do it again. You have responsibilities related to grants and to funding. How does the data support the decisions that you're making? So again, we go back to the heart and core of everything that we do, and that's the students. What students yes. are learning, what students are not learning, and then we design how we're going to financially support or invest in a particular program, platform, or service provider that can provide what our students need based upon data. So during our asset mapping process, in addition to professional development, we also look to see how effective, so we do our research too. So we're going to look at if it's a particular company that we want to invest in, we have those conversations with them, and then show us, uh, I think it was, what was it, Jerry Maguire? I hope that's not a copyright issue when someone does the editing. However, you know, show me the money, like show us the data, show us that this is something that is going to transform our student population significantly or going to, if we use this as a lever of support, our kids are going to perform in a better way than they have been, or our teachers, if it's pro provided for teacher professional development. And to ask the hard questions about alignment, again, is it aligned to the written, taught, and tested? Is it something that's aligned to our school improvement and learning plan? And, you know, is it important or a duplicate? We don't want to have something already in place that is working and then duplicate it with something better because it's more sparkly. We don't want to do that. You know, it's about how can we do this in a cost-effective way where we're fiscally responsible, but also yields the greatest investment um, for our students. I love hearing the word investment. It is uh, okay to spend when it's on the right mm -hmm. things. I know I go to the grocery store sometimes and I'll pick up a couple things and I come in to put it away. I'm like, oh, already had that. <laughs> right, right. That, that's a great analogy. That's great. I want to ask you a little bit uh, for some help. How can we help people in positions like yours who are faced with colleagues who say, we've always done it this way. We've been doing this for 10 years, 15 years, 18 years. What do we say to people who need to make a little bit of a change? One of You mentioned data in our, our previous discussion, and I think that's part of the conversation. Also, having listening first, hmm. what is it? 
um, we do we want to do things out of compliance or we've always done it? Or is it something that we need to tweak? Not always remove, but just tweak or use something differently or do something differently that is going to yield the results that we're looking for. So we have to bring the data to the table and have an honest conversation and look at the trends. If not all of our students are moving in a positive direction, that means that we either need to change direction or do something just sometimes, just like I use the analogy of driving in the car, you know, when you're getting too hot. So what do I need to do? Turn the air conditioning on just a little bit. So maybe I need to turn the temperature down, turn the temperature up just so I can ride comfortably. But also when we talk about comfort, are we talking about teacher comfort? Are we talking about student learning? There are times where things can't always change because we get comfortable, but no change really happens within one's comfort zone. So we have to have that conversation and then give people the space and the time to implement, I think is important. And that's why I said voice is important, mapping it out, showing the data, saying, you know, doing a comparison and then give you the space to think, to process, not say, you know, we're coming with something and we want to implement it yesterday. No, we, we give them, you know, a schedule, I think is important too. And being organized in the way that one presents oneself. It's difficult to say, we want to make this change and we're doing it next week with no rationale, no schedule, communication timeline, and who needs to be involved. So those are just some tidbits of things that I think are important to that process when we talk about the change process. I like hearing support for teachers as an ingredient. We expect the same things for the teachers to do for the students, providing support so people can make change that's good. Mm -hmm. If it's mm -hmm. teachers learning, if it's students learning, everybody needs support and structure and guidance. That's valuable. Yes. All right, let's imagine you have a room full of people in a position just like yours and you wanna push them into some action. How do we make sure that they are, um, taking some steps with the knowledge and guidance that you're giving? I would say one thing is to write it down. Sometimes you have to write the vision and make it plain. What is your vision for where you want to go? Then what are your action steps? Commitment to those action steps. So when you have a particular goal, write down the, the top three things that are going to get you to that place and then do them. You have to make the commitment to do it. You know, I wish I could do maybe travel to Paris. Here's an example. I want to travel to Paris. Well, you can always want it, but then are you getting online using the Google machine to find out how much is the airfare? What are you going to do when you get there? What museums do you want to visit? What hotel are you staying at? You just can't just up and go to Paris and just stand there and buy the Louvre and just look around. You've got to make a, a, arrangements. You've got to buy the ticket to go see the Mona Lisa. You just can't go barging in the door. So the same thing holds true. And then giving oneself grace and time. We can't expect change to happen two days from now. It is something that has to give yourself a timeline and then the space and the commitment to do. So set the goal, write the vision out, and then make it plain in practical terms and then begin to communicate that vision and those steps, your commitment, and then others around you will see your commitment to that and begin to work along with you and bring everybody along with you as you go. 
That sounds like a plan I want to follow. Dr. Bird Wright, thank you for being my guest today. And to educators across the country, thank you for listening to us as we talk about important ways to approach professional development. We're talking about using asset mapping processes and making professional development and teacher learning that matters. For those of you who are listening, please be sure to follow on whatever podcast listening app you use. And if you'd like to see the show notes, including extension questions to develop student discourse and guidance on observation protocols, be sure to check out www.teachingchannel.com slash podcast. Thank you. I'll see you again for our next episode.